<laughs> Sid, come on up. We're here not just to connect with each other, not just to connect through singing. We're here to connect with God through His Word. And leading us this morning is one of our wonderful staff members. He keeps on saying, Mel, remember I'm on staff, so give me an opportunity to preach occasionally. Uh, Sid Coop, who actually lives in Kelowna, B.C., but uh, runs our youth ministry program. Uh, some of you have said, how do you, how do you guys get such great staff, great young youth staff? Well, one of the reasons we get some great young youth staff is because we work hard at getting great young youth staff, but one of the reasons is because we've got a, somebody who resources them and coaches them and oversees them really well. Th Sid, thank you for being that for us, and God bless you as you preach this morning. Thank you. Hey, good morning, everybody. This is a real privilege again to be with you here today. Thank you so much, Pastor Mel, for that. I appreciate that. It's awesome. Um, hey, listen, we're in a, we're in a series uh, right now, and kind of the, the theme of the series or the catchphrase is working with God who is at work in you. And so really at the very foundation of the series uh, of the theme is this idea that he who began a good work will carry it on to completion, which means uh, God is not finished with us yet. And there's this journey that we're on in terms of, of engaging life the way that God would have us engage it, being the people he would have us to be, em embracing the mission that he would have for us. And so the question is, you know, how do we continue to move more towards being those people on that mission the way that God would have us to be that, to do that? And so uh, this morning I get to carry that on. And, um, and the question that I'm going to answer this morning is, is this, or this is the question I want to answer this morning is this, is, is working on your physical health part of working with God who is at work in you, okay? So is working on your physical health part of working with God who is at work in you? Let me pray, and then we'll dive into the Word here for just a few minutes. Father, I love you. Thank you so much for who you are. And you are so good to us. Oh, man, you're so good to us. Uh, Lord, um, I pray that you would make us more aware, again, of your goodness, who you are. I pray that you would make us more aware, again, of your good design for how you would have us to live. And um, Father, I pray that this morning um, your spirit would protect us from shame and uh, guilt that's not of you, but rather we would experience this morning, like all of our mornings, as a real invitation into the way that you would have us to be. And I say thank you for that. So I give you this time in your name. Amen. You know, when COVID started, which, I mean, do you remember the days when COVID started? I mean, uh, it's so funny. I was talking with someone the other day, and they were talking about the first time that they went on Zoom in their youth ministry. I was like, that was so March 2020, like so March 2020, so long ago. I remember when COVID first started as a family, we got together, and especially after we realized that um, the journey in COVID wasn't going to simply be a week break from normal activities. It was going to be a new way of being, at least for a time. And as a family, we got together and we sat down and we said, okay, what are, what are the values or behaviors that we're going to need to really prioritize in order for us to be healthy in this space? And, you know, even in my work, it was really interesting. Like, it's, it, it, it's fascinating. When, when I think about the space that we're in, I know it affects all of us in so many different ways. Um, I've realized that I feel very fortunate and privileged. Much of my work that I do, I get to continue to do. I get to continue to interact with people in different ways online. And because we were at a camp and we could have a certain number of people at our camp this summer, at my wife's camp, I had opportunity to engage in types of community that many other people haven't had the opportunity to engage in. But I also found that, um, myself realizing that that my experience is a fairly limited experience compared to others, especially those in the developing world. So we were on a call with Compassion. 
and spending time trying to understand what was happening in the developing world through a season like this. And, and of course, that was sobering in so many ways, and there's so much going on there, and there's ways that we need to continue to look, to engage, to serve, to think how we can continue to love our brothers and sisters that are far outside of our environment. So I realize that, I'm, that, I'm in a, that we're in privileged space here in many ways, and, and uniquely so for each of us in, in our journey. Uh, but one of the things that we did as a family is we said, okay, while we're in this space, you know, God would, there, there's a way that God would have us to live still, even within this piece, even though it's different, even though there's unique pressures and, 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 um, and stresses that we're feeling. And so we put together this list of values and behaviors that we knew we needed to lean into if we were going to begin, or we were going to continue to fight to experience a type of abundant life that God would have for us. Like, what would, what would be his abundant way of being in the space that he has put us in right now? And so there were six things that kind of rose to the surface for our family. We said the first thing we need to do is we got to serve. We got to be really careful that, that we don't become myopic and self-centered in this time, that we continue to be aware um, of the other. And, and, you know, part of the good way to live that God has called us to is that we would care and meet the needs of others, especially those who can't meet their own needs. Uh, the second thing we wanted to do is we knew we needed to work. We needed to be productive. And so uh, my son had a job, and so that was really important that he would engage that job. And uh, my, my youngest son didn't have a job, but he had school, and so that became our third one. We needed to make sure that we were involved in school, and for those of us who weren't in formal education, that we continue to study, that we continue to read, that we continue to develop our minds. Um, the fourth one was we needed to be involved in, in faith practices. So we knew that attending church in the way that that had been normative for us wasn't going to be attainable, but that didn't mean that there weren't faith practices and disciplines that God would have us continue to move into in order to deepen our faith and relationship with Him. And so we, we put together a little bit of a plan what that would look like. We knew, number five, that, that community and family was going to be really important. When God created us, he, he designed us to be in community, correct? Part of, part of reflecting the reality of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, is that we would continue to fight to be within the context of community. And of course, again, that was challenged in many ways. And so even, you know, online, we, we look to be in spaces where we could have some type of communal experience as opposed to just engaging information that was being broadcast at us. So uh, Cole got into his Zoom communities with his friends, and that was important and for the, maybe the very first time in my life, I celebrated forms of video game playing because there was types of community that were happening for our boys that they, that they desperately needed even in that space, even in that space, shocking. And so we looked to that. And then finally, the sixth thing for us is we knew we needed to be physically active. We needed to be moving. We, we couldn't be just caught in small spaces and become passive. And so we, we made every day at around 4 o'clock, that became our like family activity time. And so we started like playing games together. We played spike ball in our backyard. And, and I just, I just want to say right now, I, I, I want to say to you, for those of you who are over 40 moving towards 50, my wife and I, we represented that demographic well against our young boys. We pushed them hard. We didn't win, but we pushed them hard. I just want to say we showed up. I thought that was great. We, um, you know, we live at camp, so we got to engage in some unique activities at camp, like our climbing wall and those sorts of things. And then we went for walks. We hiked and we went for walks, and, and we knew that being physically active was going to be important to us experiencing a flourishing type of life that God would have within the context that he had placed us. You know, 
being physically active has actually um, always been important in our family. My family was a very physical family. We would wrestle a lot together. We played a lot of sports. Um, we, we were just, we were involved in, in moving and engaging. My dad found that to be really important, and it was important in our family, in our family here at home as well. My wife played basketball at university. I played hockey and baseball. Our boys all played basketball. Uh, we've been involved in skiing and snowboarding. Physical activity has, has always been a priority for us. It's it's been important to us. We love it. We love physical activity. We love fighting for good physical health. The question, of course, this morning, as I've already said, is does God love physical health? You know what I mean? Does God actually affirm the idea of being physically active, engaging in our, the physical reality, looking after the physical bodies that we have? Is, is caring for our bodies actually part of what it means to faithfully follow Jesus and pursue his mission on earth. Is this, is this important to the Father? This morning, I want to take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So if your Bible, have your Bibles, you can open them up there. If you have your phones, you can go ahead and check that out. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we're going to look at verse 12 to 14, and then 19 to, to 20, 21. And I just want to give you a little bit of context for this passage here. Uh, first of all, um, Paul was speaking uh, to a group of followers of Christ in a city called Corinth. And, and Corinth was, um, was an interesting city. It was, uh, had lots of movement to it. There was lots of activity happening. Um, there was lots of, of people of philosophy and thought that were important within that space. And one of the you know, most noteworthy kind of ways of thinking or understanding life was this type of dualism that was deeply embedded in Greek philosophy and had engaged into the activity of the church as well. And, and the dualism was this sense of, of tension between the material and the spiritual worlds. And, and the question, you know, was what is good and, and what is bad? And, and within the culture, there was this idea that the material world essentially was, was bad, was not of real value, but the spiritual world, something other, was of incredible value. And that's where our primary focus should be. And as a result of this kind of dualistic way of thinking, there was kind of two outworkings of this thought. Number one was an asceticism where people, you know, essentially saw the material world as evil, and so they, they wanted to do away with it. They, they wanted to ignore it. They wanted to um, act as if it had no bearing on their being. They didn't want to engage in any type of of pleasure that came from a physical reality. That was one way that, that came, that was one way of being that came from this dualistic thinking. The other one was hedonism, this idea of, well, it doesn't really matter, so we might as well just do whatever feels good with our physical bodies and engage in whatever practice feels good for us in that moment. And so there was this tension. It was interesting because this tension had also come into the church. And so Paul in Corinthians, much of what the first book of 1 Corinthians is about is trying to create a corrective way of being, and actually Paul attacks both of those positions. He attacks both the position of asceticism, that we should hate our bodies and we should do away with it and, and, and be, be against our bodies, and he, he attacks that. We see that when it comes to this idea of... Um, 
of um, abstinence when it, you know, or sorry, not abstinence, but I say when it came to the act of sex and sexuality, he talks about this idea, and, and people were saying you shouldn't engage in sex, uh, you shouldn't acknowledge sexuality in that way, and he says, no, God's given us this body, he's given us sex, we should engage it within the right context that he's created it for, and then he also attacks the idea of hedonism, where people were saying, well, we should do whatever we want with our body, and especially when it comes to the context of sex, we should do whatever we want, and again, he says, no, God has created our body they're good, but he's created things like sex to be experienced within the context that he's designed us for so that we can actually experience the flourishing way. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, the context is specifically about sex, but, but really it's about how we should see the body, how we should respond to the body, and how we should live with our body. And so this morning, I want to quickly take a look at it and say, okay, so how does this then apply to our physical activity? Not just about sex, but about how do, we, how do we move towards physical health? What are the principles that should guide us as we live with the physical reality that God's placed us in? Okay, let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We'll start in verse 12. Listen to what he says. He says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. And then I want to jump to verse 19. Or do you not know that the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Okay, so does God... Does God care about our body? Does he, does he care about what we do with our physical being? And the answer, of course, is yes. We know that to be true. And there's three reasons I see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 about why I think our physical health is a part of working with God as he works in us. Number one, God does care about our body. So if you take a look down in verse, chapter thir- in verse 13, he says this. This is what Paul says. He says, food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach uh, for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Did you hear that? Did you hear what he says here? He says the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. God is for our body, okay? So I think that's the first thing we need to realize when we start thinking about, okay, how should I deal with my physical reality? The first thing we should realize is that God is actually for our body. Um, You know, when you look in Psalm 139, we realize that we have a God who has created us. He has designed us as physical beings. And it's a good thing that he has created when he designed us as physical beings. Listen to what he says in Psalm 139, verse 13. He says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Did you hear what he says there? intricately woven, he has put our physical bodies together. You know, it's really interesting in our culture because so much of our culture seems to function around our physicality. We see so much physical things taking place. There seems to be an emphasis on it. But in reality, we don't give a lot of authority to the physical. In fact, within our current cultural context, most authority, at least when it comes to our own personal lives, is given to the internal and the emotional. 
The, the kind of language that we see throughout our culture are things like you can be whoever you want to be. You should do whatever you want. You should do whatever makes you happy. And so whatever you think about yourself, that's actually who you are. But when we understand that we have a God who has designed us physically and he has specifically created our bodies and he has a plan for our bodies, then we begin to realize that he's trying to say something about us through our bodies, that there is an authority that, that comes from God through the reality of the physical creation he has made. And so we realize that God is for our bodies. So we should be for our bodies. We should acknowledge that our bodies have been given to us from God. He has created our physical reality. Now, the second reality is that while God has created our physical bodies, the other reality is that he has to recreate our bodies because we are broken. Our bodies are broken because sin entered our world in Genesis chapter 3. We live within a broken reality. And so all of creation is not exactly what God would have it to be. But uh, the journey he has called us to is this journey of recreation. You know, it's interesting. I was talking with my son the other day, and he comes to me, and he says, hey, Dad. I go, yes, son. He goes, you got some work to do. I said, what do I have some work to do on, son? On your, like, stomach. Dad, you got some work to do on your stomach. And I remember looking at my son, and I said to him, I said, son, if your stomach is the standard of what all stomachs need to be, then we are all failing, and we will fail, just to be really clear on that. I said, kiddo, I love you so much, but that option is no longer my option. That will never be the case. My stomach isn't moving that way. My stomach is moving the other way, and that's just reality. And then he comes to me a couple of days later. He goes, Dad, he goes, you know what? I really think if we would work hard, we could help you be able to dunk a basketball. I think that would be great if you would dunk a basketball. And I said to him again, I said, son, I want to be really clear with you. It doesn't matter how much I work. I will never dunk a basketball, okay? So like my physical being in terms of being able to dunk a basketball will never move in that direction. I am only moving in the other direction. The reality is, Creation is broken. We are moving towards decay in our natural selves. But Christ comes to recreate, to restore, to renew. And the reality is, is that while our bodies on this side of eternity are moving towards decay in general, he has promised that he will restore and renew our bodies at the resurrection. So listen to what he says in verse 14. He says, and God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. He will recreate us. He will renew us. He will restore us. There is something wonderfully physical that God is at work doing and not just now, but will do for all of eternity. You know, I think one of the reasons why um, sometimes we struggle with the idea of longing for eternity, why that desire isn't deep within us is because I think we've made it something so much other than what God created us for. Do you know what I mean? Like oftentimes when we think about eternity, we think about some kind of Philadelphia cream cheese commercial where, you know, heaven is about sitting in clouds playing harps and having meaningless conversations. But the reality is when the Bible speaks of eternity, it talks of restoration, recreation. Uh, it talks about this physical reality that we will find ourselves in heaven coming to earth, the ability to be able to explore, to bring in cultures, to be a part of culture and community and creation. There's something physical 
physical happening. So God has created the physical reality, and he is in the process of recreating him. And like all of his good way, all of his kingdom work, we are to join in with him in the recreation journey as much as we can on this side of eternity. And so we value the bodies that God has given us, not because they're defining of us, but because God has created them. And it's a way of honoring him when we honor the bodies that he's given us. So number one, God cares about our body. Number two, then in light of that, we should care about our body as well. So he goes on, or verse 12, sorry, I want to move back. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. So it's interesting what Paul is doing in here is he's actually referencing some some kind of Greek proverbs where, where it would say, all things are lawful for me. And it was an excuse within the culture to be able to do really whatever you wanted to do. It was actually this, this excuse to engage in types of hedonism. But what Paul does is he takes these Greek proverbs and then he says, hey, this is what the proverb says, but actually let me take you to where God wants us to be. And he says, all things are lawful for me. Yeah, you might feel that. You could do whatever you want. But he says, but not all things are actually helpful. And what he says is that as followers of Christ, we actually need to do the things that are helpful, that are good, that God has a way for us that is actually good. And when we lean into his way, when we value the things he values, it allows us to live life closer to the way that he designed us for. So then I often ask myself the question when it comes to physical health, okay, how is like physical health good? Because I got to be honest with you, when I get serious about my physical health, it doesn't always feel good, okay? So like for me, I'll, people always, will often ask, hey, Sid, you know, you run? I go, yeah, I run. So you enjoy running? I go, nope, I don't really enjoy running very much. They go, really? Why do you run? I said, because I enjoy being finished running. Like that's really exciting for me. I like it when I'm done running. But there's a few reasons, you know, in my life why physical activity and physical health is a good thing for me. Let me explain them to you real quick. Number one, Physical health and activity is a good thing for me because um, it's something that my wife has asked me to lean into. And so if I can, if I can please my wife, I'm just going to be straight with you, that's a very good thing for me, okay? So I just want to be clear about that, that if I please Jen, that's good for me. And she has actually asked me if I would look after my body. And it's not primarily about looks. It's actually primarily about a quality of life that she would like us to enjoy together. And so she says, look after your body. You know, it's interesting, right? Because Paul, um, if, if you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he actually references this reality that, that our bodies within the context of marriage belong to one another. And he was being really progressive when he says this within the context he's in because within that culture, a woman's body might belong to a man, but a man's body did not belong to a woman. And what Paul says there, he goes, no, 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 no. He's created us equal under the umbrella within marriage of mutual submission. He says both your bodies belong to each other. And so out of an act of love for each other, you should honor each other with your body. So for me, it's a really good thing when I look after my body because that's one way for me to honor my wife. Uh, the second thing that happens is when I look after my physical body, my brain works better. There's lots of really good research out there right now that says when we're physically active, our brain is actually more functional. We actually become more intelligent. We are smarter. There's a book that I just started reading called Spark, The Revolutionary New Science of Exercise in the Brain. It's by John Raddy, and here's what he says. He says the out, uh, when he's speaking of the astounding impact of aerobic activity on the brain, he says that exercise is the single most powerful tool you have to optimize your brain 
brain function. And they're doing these studies on schools in the States when they move kids towards activity, not primarily sports, because sports can discriminate in many ways when it comes to kids. So that's not primarily what they're talking about. They're talking about activity and stewarding the type of activity that you can do. So they don't compare them to one another. They compare them to themselves. When they up the level of activity, especially aerobic activity amongst young people, test scores rise at the same type of rates. Really significant, really powerful. So number one, it makes us smarter. Number two, when we engage in physical activity, it makes us happier. Endorphins begin to move through in the brain the way that we're created for. Serotonin, dopamine, oxycontin, these things all start to take place and all of a sudden it can change our way of thinking and give us a new way of being or, or perceiving or experiencing life so it can change our emotional disposition. I'm a better dad when I'm being physically active. One of the reasons why I go for runs is so that I can love my boys better and I just know that I'm able to engage in a much more intentional way. And number three, I, I become less anxious, that when I'm physically active, it has this ability to begin to calm the stressors in my reality, helps me have a clear perspective of what's actually taking place and what God would have for me down the road. The other thing that happens is, is, is it's fascinating. When I become disciplined in my physical health, it actually helps me become disciplined in other areas of my life as well. And then finally, it gives me more energy. One of the best ways that I can combat fatigue in my life is moving towards some types of physical activity. So there's so many good things here. And Paul says we should do good things. We can do what, you know, in, in many ways we have the ability to do what we want, but we should do what's good. And looking after our physical bodies is a good thing. But the other caution he gives us is that we shouldn't be controlled by our physical body. So he says, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. And I think here's one of the dangers that we face, is that so often we tend to take a good thing and turn it into an ultimate thing, and it becomes an idol that begins to control us and we serve, as opposed to being controlled and serving the God who designed and created us. And I find in my life that when a good thing, physical health and activity, becomes an ultimate thing, there's a couple of things that take place for me. Number one, all of a sudden physical health becomes primarily about my looks. I'm concerned about how I look and how other people perceive how I look. It, it becomes something about my, th this vanity within me. And the problem, of course, is that the standard of what I define as good looking has been created by our culture. And that standard is unattainable. And to be honest, that's not what it should be about. It isn't about size, it's about health. And so we need to make sure we put it in its right place. The other thing that happens to me is that sometimes our obsession within our culture around physical activity and physical health isn't so much about health, sorry, but it's actually about becoming younger. It's this idea that we're trying to fight this, this, this sense of growing older, which seems to have become an evil within our cultural uh, experience that we're in. You know, I think one of the great disservices that those of us who are older have done to the next generation is um, become infatuated with being younger, to be honest with you. you know, what God calls us to is not to be infatuated with being younger. He calls us to pursue being wiser. 
Because as we pursue being wiser, then we begin to pass on the lessons and the experiences that can help the next generation better experience the life that God would have for them. And so it's not about becoming younger, it's about becoming wiser. And then finally, sometimes I know that when my physical health, when this way of being has moved to a bad position, my physical health becomes about comparing myself to others. It's about becoming better when really what God says is it needs to be about serving others. It's about stewarding his call that he would have in our lives. Gary Thomas writes in Everybody Matters that our bodies are not an ornament, they're an instrument. God would have us use our bodies for the kingdom work he would have for us. And so that leads to the third reality, that not only does God care about our body, not only should you care about your body, but we are called to steward our bodies. So listen to what he says in verse 19. He says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You know, one of the foundational themes of what it means to be a follower of Christ is coming to this realization that our lives are not our own. Isn't that true? And again, that just goes so against the cultural narrative that we live in that says to us that your life is yours, you can do whatever you want, you can be whoever you want. But the reality is is that our lives are not ours. Our lives actually belong to the Father. And this is a good thing. It's a good thing for two reasons. Number one, because He created us, so He knows us better than we know ourselves. And number two, He He intimately loves us, infinitely loves us, which was revealed with his work on the cross. We we weren't created to be in control of our lives. You know, when I take a look at some of the different things that our culture is dealing with and young people are dealing with within our culture, one of my great concerns is that, that our need to feel like our lives are our own and we can do whatever we want, trying to live into that has left us emotionally shattered in many ways. I don't think that we were um, created to live under the weight of having to define ourselves. I think that when our identity is defined primarily by how we feel about ourselves, that we are open to manipulation, we are fragile, we are not resilient. But when we begin to understand that our identity is not found in how we feel about ourselves, but rather found in the God who has created ourselves, when we realize that we are not our own, but rather we are His, we find ourselves in this place of strength, in this place of resilience, and this place of hope, even in the midst of difficult times. And it's not just about our identity, it's also the reality about our bodies. Our bodies ultimately are not our own, our bodies belong to the Father. And even in the midst of a broken reality where our bodies don't work the way that God has, you know, originally designed them to work, when, when many of us are struggling with our body deconstructing and decaying, even in the midst of this space, we know that we still belong to God. And as long as we physically breathe, He has a plan for us in this moment. It's stewardship is not about comparing uh, the way that God calls us to live in our physical reality to how other people live in their physical reality. Stewardship is about saying, okay, God, how would you have me live with my physical reality right here, right now? What does that look like? How can I steward this space that you have called me into for your glory 
and in that journey then for my joy. And so we are called to steward the physical reality that we are find ourselves in here. And so here's the truth. The truth of the matter is that working on your physical health is part of working with God who, has, who is at work in you. God cares for our bodies. We should care for our bodies. And God ultimately calls us to steward our bodies. It's not about comparison. It's not about control. It's about stewardship. Okay, so what should we do? Let me quickly give you just three things. And these are, these are just three simple things that we've been working on in our family, that I've been working on myself, and they're, they're simple, but they're accessible. When I'm thinking about looking after my physical health, primarily I'm thinking in three categories. I'm thinking about food. I'm thinking about sleep. I'm thinking about exercise. Um, first, with food. What do we do with food? Food's not easy, because we should enjoy food. God's given us to be able to enjoy food. That's wonderful. That's great. In moderation, that's appropriate. But we should also guard ourselves when it comes to our food, and especially as we get a little bit older. Man, we should guard ourselves when it comes to our food. In our family, we sometimes do some, some funny things, just about ways to help our kids even think about this idea that we should, you know, guard ourselves when it comes to food. So we'll do activities where we'll say, hey, everyone, 20 bucks in the pot. First person that drinks a pop over the next six months, you lose the money. Last one who's left not drinking pop, you win. Go now. I remember I was so proud of myself. I'd made it through two months. Our goal was six months. I made it through two months, and then I went to, uh, to watch a movie. This was pre-COVID. I remember walking into the movie theater. What do you do when you go to movie theater? You order popcorn and pop. That's just what you do. And I'm sitting down just in the middle of the movie, and I go and I take a drink of the pop. And I'm like, oh, I just lost $20. Unbelievable. One sip. That pop, I mean, movie pops cost about 20 bucks, but now it just doubled right in that moment. Doubled just like that. But we do these things. Why? Not because we think having a pop is evil, but because we're trying trying to learn this idea about, hey, you know what? We should care about what we drink or eat, and so we go through different practices to do that. So that's part of what we do. We think about our food. We think about being cautious with that. Number two, we think about our sleep. It's good for us to have good sleep. I think as adults, we should be looking for, you know, they say what's optimum. It's like seven and a half, eight hours of sleep. I don't often get that. That's not primarily what I get, but I'm thinking about that. And so some of the things we do to help enhance our sleep, to have better sleep, is we've just chosen for seasons to like set aside our devices. And so before we go to bed, the phones don't come into our room. That's one way to do better with sleep is keep the phone out of our room. Let our minds rest, relax, refocus before we go to sleep. The third area is exercise. Now, here's what's interesting. When I think about looking after physical health, it seems to me like exercise has a disproportionate um, value when it comes to our physical health. There's a gentleman by the name of Dr. Mike Evans. He was a staff physician at St. Michael's Hospital, associate professor of family medicine at the University of Toronto, and he's won many awards when it comes to his work in medicine. He was, he was one of the top 10 innovators in health by the Canadian Medical Association. And he says that a half hour of activity, physical activity per day, up to five days a week, 150 minutes per week, can change your reality in significant ways. He, he would say that physical activity is the most significant preventative medicine we can move into. It reduces rates of pain and disability by 47%, can reduce progression of dementia and Alzheimer's, reduce anxiety by 48%, patients suffering depression by 30 to 47% were relieved by an increase in physical activity, and he would say it's the number one treatment of fatigue. 30 minutes a day, five days a week, 150 minutes a week. 
And it's just walking. It's not about exercise. We rarely use the language of exercise when I talk with people I work with. Instead, we use the language of just activity, that when we engage in activity, we become healthier people in so many dimensions of life. And so I think part of what we need to do is go, okay, God, how would you have me steward my physical health in these areas? Food, sleep, and exercise. Because here's the reality. Working on your physical health is part of working with God who has a work in you. You know, um, uh, in, in our family, um, quantity of life isn't something that we assume on very well, to be honest with you. I'm 47 right now, so I've been thinking a lot about, um, about the end of life, to be honest with you. My dad died when he was 48 years of age. It was just after I turned 18. My uncle died when he was 48 years of age. My brother just passed away this past year at 55 years of age. Um, all three of them were actually pretty healthy people, to be honest with you. Very physically active, very engaged, very thoughtful, and, and, and they passed away um, real suddenly. Uh, and none of them, you know, they all were getting checked. They all went for their regular their checkups uh, with their doctor, and, and there was nothing there that alarmed the doctor in terms of what was happening with their hearts. And I went to see my doctor the other day, and again, he said, hey, I just want you to know that, that there's nothing hereditary about your heart. It looks great. And I thought to myself, I said, I love you so much, but you don't know. <laughs> I don't think you know on this one. I'll be honest with you. When it comes to physical activity, for me, it's not primarily about quantity of life. I don't know how much I get to control that. God says he's numbered our days. I trust him with that. We know in our humanity, generally speaking, the better you are with your physical health, the longer you have opportunity to live. But for me, that might not be the case. For me, what the issue is, is quality of life. For me, the issue is stewardship of life. What do I need to do now with my physical health in order to better steward the mission that God has called me to with the days that God has given me? Because working on your physical health is part of working with God who is at work with you. Let me pray. Father, I love you. Thank you so much for today. Thank you for this time. Thank you for, um, uh, Lord, giving us vision of how we should be. I pray that you would renew our vision for how we should steward our physical beings. I pray that you would protect us from the standards that our culture gives us, from the shame that often comes from some of these ways of thinking that aren't of you. And I pray that you would give us a vision to live with our bodies the way that you would have us live with our bodies in the spaces we are. For your glory, for our joy, in your name, amen.